Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast, sharing stories of transformation after pregnancy and infant loss. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, no, seriously. I can't believe I'm talking to you right now. I have followed... (laughs) The account that you made on Instagram called Lost Moms Club, and it's one of the first that I found after my loss, and it was extremely validating. So I'm really grateful to you for making that. Um, Thank you. I'm glad it's helped. Yeah, I know. I'm just one of the few, and I just (laughs) learned we don't even live too far from each other, so that's awesome, too. What are the odds? It's crazy how, how many are in Utah how many of us lost bombs I'm learning there are a lot of us I know we just gotta find each other for sure (laughs) so I'd love to get to know more about you so share a couple things about yourself okay so I'm from Utah born and raised um I met my husband when we were both he was in school I was just living in student housing um, I dragged him back to my teeny tiny little hometown that he hated at first, but he loves it now. So, <laughs> um, we've been married for, yeah, <laughs> we've been married for seven years in October. They say that this, my dad used to be like the seven year itch, like it's real and we're not itchy yet. So I feel like that's good. <laughs> yeah. Go. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Um, let's see. What else? We have two kids. Um, National, we call him Nash, and Isla that we just had in May. So she's just brand new. I love those names. Thank you. (laughs) It's hard to name humans, I've learned. Oh my goodness, I know. Dogs? (laughs) Easier. (laughs) Seriously. Well, what's funny is our son Nash... Um, so we named him and then a company next door to my husband moved in and they're called Nash Packaging. And we yeah. found out that they are, it's named after their dog. <laughs> okay. So that's cute. So we named our son a dog name, but it's fine. No, every name's a dog name, really. So <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, this episode is all about national. So Perfect. I'd love for you to start from the very beginning and... Tell his story. Yeah. Okay. So we started trying for a baby. It's been five years now and just had absolutely no luck at all. And we started doing a lot of testing, which was all checking out fine. Um, They did tell us that my husband's sperm count was low, so... We started doing IUIs, which are, um, it's interuterine insemination, um, where they essentially bypass as much of the process as they can by putting the sperm like right up near your fallopian tube so that you have the best chance of conceiving. Um, we did that four times and it did not work only for us to then find out that we weren't given all of the information. And it wasn't that my husband's sperm count was low. It's that it was zero. None at all. And nobody had told us. 
So we were just like throwing this money at procedures that were never going to work, which is so frustrating. Um, so we eventually decided to use a sperm donor, which was hard because you always imagine that you're going to have these cute little babies that look like you and they look like your husband. And we had to kind of grieve that loss. That that was never going to happen. I was never going to have cute little Abraham babies. Um, but it was worth it to us to try to just proceed with a donor. So we chose one, which is a very strange process. It's like a catalog of men, (laughs) which is so strange, but amazing that that's an option. So we chose one and proceeded with IVF because you, you can do IUIs with donors, but it, your odds are like 15% that it'll work. And IVF is like 70, I might be mistaken. I believe that's what it is. Um, So we did IVF. And we had to fundraise because I don't know if people really realize how much it costs. (laughs) People are always like, just do IVF. Like, you can just do these things. You're like, just Um, down payments on a house. (laughs) Exactly. So... We fundraised like crazy. We did a yard sale, which I will never do again. That is so much work, but it was so worth it. Oh, God. Um, I did, I made earrings that were like little rainbow earrings because I kind of bypassed this part of the story. But one of the IUIs that we did, we used a donor and it worked. Um, But then I had a miscarriage at six weeks. So our next baby was going to be a rainbow baby. So I made rainbow earrings to sell and we raised the money really quickly. We raised it in a month, which is insane. Yeah. Crazy. Miracle. So, so yeah, we jumped right on it and we went through the whole IVF process, which is a lot of injections. We did the egg retrieval and found out that we got one embryo, which is not... Like, you don't hear of that very often. People usually get, like, four or five. Some people, I've heard of people getting, like, 20, which is crazy. So we got one and sent it off for genetic testing. And I was convinced it was going to come back abnormal. And it didn't. It was perfect. So we transferred and it stuck. And it was our cute little Nash. Which was crazy, just such a miracle. The pregnancy, unfortunately, was very complicated. Um, I bled the entire time and was convinced that we were losing him. But every time we went in, he was fine. So we just kept going with the pregnancy. And I kept saying, like, I feel like this isn't normal. But they were like baby's fine so if you bleed you bleed but it's fine and then at 21 weeks I it was Super Bowl Sunday actually we were preparing for a Super Bowl party and I felt a gush and I just looked at my husband and was like let's just go straight to labor and delivery I don't know what that was kind of felt like my water broke I don't know I've never been pregnant before I mean I have but it ended at six weeks 
So we went into labor and delivery and they did test after test to try to figure out if my water had broken. But when they do the test, they do like a swab of the fluid and they put it on a slide and they leave it and see if it, it's called a fern test because and as it dries, the, the marking that it leaves behind looks like a fern. And if it looks like a fern, then your water broke. So they did the fern test and it was negative. But then they did another test that's like a blood test and it was positive that my water had broken. So we were getting mixed information. And so they did that. They repeated the test and they decided that I was getting a false positive because blood can make it say that your water broke when it didn't. And I had been bleeding my entire pregnancy. So there was bleeding. So they decided that my water hadn't broken. And then three weeks later, at 24 weeks to the day, I was having contractions. Every three minutes, very painful, more than Braxton Hicks. So we went to labor and delivery again, and they hooked me up to monitors, and they said, you're not having contractions. You're, you're not in labor. Those aren't contractions. And I was like, well, they're every three minutes, and they are very painful, so like, I don't know what they would be. They're like, well, we don't know. They're not contractions. Go home and take Tylenol, which is unreal looking back. So two days later, I spent the entire weekend in so much pain, every three minutes, contractions. So at 24 weeks and two days, I drove myself to work. It was on a Monday, 8 a.m. I worked right across the street from the hospital and... Rather than turning left into my work, I was like, I'm just going to turn right into the hospital. Just get checked out one more time. I'm in so much pain. I went in at 8.30 and Nash was born at 9.30 at 24 weeks and two days because I was in active labor and I was dilated to a four and then quickly dilated to a six within like 20 minutes so I had enough time to call my husband and have him come to the hospital and gown up and they did an emergency C-section. Um. It was terrifying, but also the unfortunate part is that they gave me fentanyl when I got there because I was in so much pain and they don't think they anticipated doing a C-section at first. They were hoping they could stop the labor. So I was out of my mind. I don't remember any of it. So the first time seeing my cute little baby, I don't remember. And I don't really remember the days after I took a picture of myself. Apparently that's like this. I'm a mom selfie. <laughs> I don't, I have no memory of taking it. It's funny now, but it's sad too. So Nash was in the NICU for 33 days and thrived. He was incredible. Just the strongest, tiniest little man you've ever seen. Um, he was one pound, five ounces and 12 inches long. He was the size of a dollar bill. And he was on 
a ventilator for the first 24 hours, obviously, because their little lungs are not developed. And then he came off of the ventilator after 24 hours, and he was off of a ventilator with just like a CPAP for two weeks, which is completely unheard of. They, they kept calling him a miracle and saying he's miraculous and he's incredible and we've never seen a baby do so well. So we, it never crossed our minds that we wouldn't take him home. He was amazing and he, his eyes opened and he would look at us and they say babies can't see for like, they can't see past like an inch in front of them for months, but he would lock eyes with you and just stare into your soul. It felt like, and he always knew when we were there, he could hear us and he would start opening his eyes and he had one nurse. Her name was Megan and we would go in. And we would be like, Nash, open your eyes. And he wouldn't. He would just lay there. And then Megan would walk up and be like, hey, Nash. And his eyes would just pop open. Oh. So we called him. We called her his girlfriend because he obviously loved her. Oh. <laughs> um, so with little preemies like that, something that they worry about is brain bleeds. So they did an ultrasound on him at a week old on his brain. And he did have brain bleeds. They grade them. Um, his grade was a little strange. The most severe brain bleed is a four. And they said that he was somewhere between a one and a four, which doesn't really... <laughs> that is the least helpful thing I've ever heard. It was just because of where it was bleeding specifically. They said his brain could rewire, which would classify it as a one. Um, but it might not, and that would classify it as a four. So we were either going to have a relatively typical child or he could have been severely mentally disabled and only time would tell. So that was a lot to swallow, but obviously we'll take him however we can get him. Mm -hmm. Um he started to kind of decline as far as his breathing went at two weeks, which is to be expected because his lungs weren't developed. He ended up getting a pneumothorax, which is when air leaks out of their lungs into their chest. And that happened one night. You could tell because you could look at him and see that one side of his chest was swollen and the other side was sort of collapsed. And unfortunately, that night when he needed us, I was having gallbladder attacks. I didn't know that's what it was. I thought that it was severe heartburn, which is funny now because gallbladder attacks, if you've ever had one, are so painful. So I had to leave, which I, looking back, feel like the worst mom leaving him when he needed me. But I was not doing well myself, and they told us he would be fine. And he was. They drained the air out of his chest, and he ended up recuperating. That was at about two weeks old. And from there, he continued to be on the ventilator, but was improving. He was gaining weight. Um, they gave us holding privileges when he was a week old. And then promptly took them away because we found out that his nurses <laughs> had given us privileges when they weren't supposed to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, babies have to weigh a certain amount to be held. And he didn't. He didn't even come close, but they let us hold him anyway. And then the doctors found out about it, and they were like, we, we can't let you hold him. He's just too fragile. But when he hits 700 grams, then you can hold him. So at 32 days old, he had hit the mark. He was 700 grams, and they told us, you can hold him tomorrow. So we showed up on April 7th, ready to hold him. We took books. We were so excited. We were going to read him books and hold him and snuggle him. And when we got there, there were just like medical, (laughs) there was a huge medical team there. And they were being kind of like hush-hush about things and I think didn't want to scare us. And they kept doing um, x-rays on his bowels. And finally they told us, we think he might have necrotizing enterocolitis, which is when there's inflammation in the bowels caused by an infection. And if you look into it, Um, they say it could be caused by formula or like fortifiers that they put into breast milk. So there are lawsuits, um, against like formula companies. Um, he did have fortifiers in my breast milk. I pumped for him the whole time, which they had to give him fortifiers because he was so small. So we don't blame anybody, but they told us they were suspecting that he had NEC. And so we didn't get to hold him. We went home and just decided to to wait out the night. It was late. We stayed with him for hours. Um, but they they said, we're not sure that he does have NEC. We'll, we'll do another um, x-ray in the morning and do some labs at 8 a.m. So go home, get some sleep. We'll call you if anything changes, but right now he's stable and he's fine. So we left at about 9.30 p.m. We went home, went to sleep, and at 1.58 in the morning, I woke up and felt like every light in the whole world had been turned off. I just felt empty. And I thought, it's probably just anxiety. I'm just worried about him. And a minute later, my phone rang. And it was the NICU. And I answered and they said, Nash is septic. And just really not doing well. So you should come now. So we did. And as soon as we walked in, there was dozens of people that I had never even seen before members of the medical team that I didn't even know existed a lot of them were in pajamas because they had been called in so these people that don't even know our son are called out of their beds and brought in to take care of him and they were doing compressions and giving him medication 
and we were just watching his monitor and it just kept dropping his heart rate from 60 to 30 and then it would fall to 10 and they'd give him more medication they would it would go up and I could hear nurses that we had never even met before whispering to him and saying come on Nash come on buddy you can do it and <laughs> then Megan Nash's girlfriend <laughs> she was there and she sat down next to me and she said if you want them to stop you can tell them to stop anytime you want and that's when I realized that they weren't going to be able to save him because if Megan, his girlfriend, was telling me that maybe it was time to stop, then it was time to stop. So we asked him to stop, and they gave him to us, and we held him, and he was swollen and purple and didn't look anything like Arnash, because Arnash was tiny and skinny and just this little guy and I was holding this baby that was so big because he was so swollen and I remember just saying I can't do this and nurses just kept being like you're doing it already you're doing it and we did we did it <laughs> we held him and and watched his monitors go to zero and they took us to a bereavement room off of the wing of the NICU. And we held him for hours with his tiny little body. A doctor ended up coming in and um, she listened for a heartbeat. And she said, I have to listen for at least a minute because sometimes their little hearts just keep trying. And there will be like one beat and we can't call time of death until... We know. And she listened and didn't hear anything and and called it at 3.14 a.m., even though I think he was I think he was gone when I woke up and felt like the world had gone dark. I think that's when he was gone. But we got to bathe him and dress him and swaddle him and just love him. Bereavement came in and took molds of his hands and and took pictures and then a funeral home came and took him away, which is the craziest feeling in the world to have this little human that you're responsible for for all this time and then to hand him over to a stranger. But she took him and snuggled him and she said, I'll take good care of him. And then she left. And we didn't feel like parents anymore. Just the worst day of our lives, which just led into the worst year of our lives. And that's why I started the Lost Mom Club, because I just felt so empty after that. Because no one gets it. Once your baby's gone, they don't think you're a mom anymore. No one looks at you like you're a mom anymore. He was our only baby. And suddenly I was just an invisible mom. 
So I went out and found other moms like me. And that community has been the best thing that has ever happened to me. I don't think I would have survived this last year and a half without them. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so that is the, the, the darkest day of my life in a nutshell. <laughs> We're always doing this. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I have to collect myself. I am a mess. It's okay. <laughs> it's awful. I haven't told that story like that in probably a year. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. sharing. Of course. <laughs> this was a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was April 8th, 2022. Okay. So, what did you do to find these moms? I'm so curious, like, what you did. Well, I started posting things on my personal Instagram and found that people did not want to hear it. (laughs) I was losing followers, which is fine. I don't care about numbers. I don't. If people don't want to be involved and don't want to hear about my life, that's totally fine. But I was finding that I felt like I was just screaming out into the void because nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody cared. Obviously, like, you have family and friends that do, but the acquaintances that you consider friends, they they don't care as much as you think they do. So I decided to start a page dedicated just to those things. And I started posting on there and slowly people started finding me. And the page grew and grew and it just really started as just an outlet for me. I was in no position to be helping anyone else <laughs> through their grief. I was just trying not to drown. So I was just, it was for me. And then I started to heal a little more as the months went on. And I started connecting with more moms. And they were healing me in a way that I didn't even know was possible. Just to be able to talk to someone that knows what it's like is everything. I tried to go to therapy and just felt like it wasn't really f- for me. My therapist was like, you have all the coping skills, so I don't really think you need to be here. <laughs> Which is crazy because if you don't need to be in therapy after your baby dies, I don't know when you need to go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> so I stopped going <laughs> and was just kind of being healed by these moms. And the more I was healed, the more I found that I was able to help other moms that were just starting out in the journey, just joining the Lost Mom Club, if you will. And still to this day, I get messages almost daily of moms saying, my baby just died a week ago, or my baby just died yesterday, and I found you, and what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? And I just tell them what I feel like nobody told me in the beginning, which is... It doesn't get easier, 
but you learn to carry it better. It's always heavy and it never gets lighter, but you get stronger. And I wish somebody would have told me that because I was waiting for it to get easier and it never did. <laughs> but it does change and you do find joy again and you do find purpose. And I think my purpose is these moms. They fill me with so much joy and I love their babies and they love mine. And just to feel like Nash is being loved and appreciated is everything. Just to have him be acknowledged is incredible because people would rather not talk about it. I think because they're uncomfortable with your grief, even though we're not uncomfortable in our grief. So they avoid it, which makes it worse. And it's nice to be able to talk about him. It's my favorite thing in the world. All I want to do is talk about him. <laughs> yeah. So it's been very healing. I feel like I've found my purpose in life. And the pain of losing Nash is so worth being able to be his mom and being able to love him. And I wouldn't trade him for anything. I would do it all over again. And I would lose him all over again just to still be his mom because it's worth it. Really touching. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just really think you are the essence of this metaphor of butterflies. You know, like <laughs> you, like the ooey gooey mess of that tragedy hasn't yeah. changed, but you've changed. Right. And like you've found beauty not in what happened but like what you've made of it with yes. these relationships yeah I saw another lost mom post just today actually she said your baby didn't die for a reason but you find purpose in their death which is so true I hate when people say everything happens for a reason because I would love for someone to tell me the reason <laughs> that our babies die. Yeah. But I do think that we find purpose in it and find a way to continue on and not move on. Because I don't think you ever move on, but you move forward with your babies. You take them with you. I think people are afraid to take that step because they feel like they're leaving their baby behind. But you don't. You can't. It's not possible even if you wanted to, which you never would. So I, yeah, I think it's important that we move forward, but it's important that we move forward with them and keep talking about them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious, now that you have Isla, mm -hmm. how did this whole experience affect, you know, bringing Isla into the world? Yeah. So we we started the IVF process again with Isla very quickly after losing Nash, not because we were trying to replace him because babies don't replace babies. I would never want them to. But I have always wanted to be a mom and I've always wanted to raise babies earthside and and Nash is in the stars now. So I wanted to continue with that because I knew that if we didn't and if we stopped, we 
would never start again. We would just live in a deep, dark hole of grief and only have just Nash. And I always wanted him to be a big brother, so we did. We did IVF again. We did another egg retrieval four months, I believe, after he passed away. And then at six months after he was born, so five months after he passed away, we did another transfer. And it was Isla. And she stuck. And we chose a girl on purpose <laughs> because I was so worried that a boy would feel like a replacement. Yeah. Like I was trying to to replace him. So I wanted it to be different. So we chose Isla. And she is heaven. But she didn't fix it. And I think that's what people don't really understand when they want to have another baby is they don't fix it. And that's okay. It brings me so much joy. She didn't fix what's broken. And that's okay. But she'll always know about him. And she will always have a big brother. We'll always tell her about him. So it's been worth it. It's been hard. But I'm so grateful that we have her now. And what do you do to keep Nash, like, present in your family? Yeah, so she's only two months old, but we still talk about him and tell her about him. But we also, he is buried in our hometown. And so every month we go and we decorate um, for whatever holiday is in that month or just like if it's fall, we'll decorate for like that season. And we take Isla with us and we take pictures and he's all around our house. We have pictures everywhere. If we take a family picture... Nash is there. We hold a picture of him. So we're we're a family of four, even if we look like a family of three, and we always want people to know that we're a family of four. So he's very much a part of our lives and always will be. I love that. And I feel like everything you said today is just so validating and so <laughs> relatable because you found this place where you can acknowledge yes, he's a member of our family, and no, yeah. I didn't replace him. And I think, you know, new moms on this journey are still trying to find that, like, feeling. And yeah. so I'm just so glad you're saying this so that when somebody else comes to that feeling, like, I need to have a baby earthside, but I feel guilty about trying again. Yeah. Like, they can hear you and be like, no, that's a normal feeling, and there's nothing yes. wrong with that. No. Yeah, you're allowed to be sad and happy at the same time. I think people don't realize that heartbreak and all the sadness can coexist with joy. Yes. They're not mutually exclusive. You don't have to only choose one. So we are so in love with Isla and we miss Nash all at the same time. And it, it works for you. And it works. Yep. And it's worth it. So if a mom wanted to connect with you, Lost Mom Club on Instagram is the best way, right? Yes. Yep. And I, I try to respond to every single message and every comment. So please reach out to me. I love connecting with other Lost Moms. And we're all different and we all grieve differently and that's okay. And I try to keep my page very neutral so that everyone feels welcome. No loss is worse than another. So it's a very safe, neutral place. So I hope everybody feels comfortable there. Yeah. 
applaud you because that's a lot of work. But <laughs> thank you. You know, it's I love it. Coming Nash by doing that, every comment you reply to, <laughs> absolutely, you responded to me instantaneously. So I'm I'm grateful for that. Yeah, thank you for reaching out. I love it. It's just so bad because you know I've been following your page and I gathered bits and pieces, but just hearing the whole story really brings it home. And yeah. you find so much of your own story when other people share, and that's why I love hearing people share. Me too. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's people just... put things into perspective in a way that maybe you haven't thought of. So it's, yeah. I think, so important to find your little tribe of lost moms because I have learned so much from other moms. I'm so grateful for them. Yeah. And your situations can be totally different. <laughs> and yeah, and they all are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Brittany, seriously, thank you so much <laughs> for sharing you know, the national news. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I just love that little guy after learning about him. And I'm so happy for your family of four that you're growing with him. Thank and, you. And um, I hope that anyone feels like they can reach out to you because I honestly That's wish good. I would have reached out to you. But I'm <laughs> glad we've connected now. And I just really want to thank you for being so open and willing to help other moms and, you know, be a butterfly for them. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thank you for giving me this platform and for other moms, because it's so important for us to be able to have a place where we can speak about them. So thank you so much for reaching out and letting me do this. I've I know I cried through the whole thing, but it's so worth it. And I love I love talking about him, even the sad parts. I loved hearing it, even though I cried through the whole thing, too. My heart was full. Well, okay, we will be in touch, and I will include your information in the description. Um, But until we meet again, thanks so much, Brittany, and you take care. Thanks, you too.